0: The six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye weekdays at two on six thirty Chad. You know we've been watching for and talking about some of the other human impacts from the COVID nineteen pandemic: uh, drug use, depression, you know, family family separations, of course, job loss and of course then domestic abuse listen to this domestic violence related calls to edmonton police have risen 16 percent in 2020 and experts are attributing that in part to the pandemic police say there were more than 8,000 police reported incidents of domestic violence in edmonton between january 1st and november 15th including assaults family disputes breaches of court orders and break and enters now during the same time in each of the past three years, there had been an average about 6,900 such incidents. So those numbers are up. Now, for those experiencing domestic violence, that message that you keep hearing, that we keep telling you, which is, you know, stay safe, stay home during the pandemic, obviously is, is a really huge challenge and a scary, scary one because those experiencing domestic violence for those people home is not safe Chetville tomorrow is the YWCA of Edmonton's 10th annual rose campaign it's going to be a A virtual one tomorrow it's an effort to raise awareness about those experiencing domestic violence and trying to escape as well as raising money to help those who support them I have a couple of uh, guests this half hour Catherine O'Neill is the CEO of the YWCA of Edmonton and Lana Wells is the keynote speaker at tomorrow's event she is the Brenda Stratford chair in the prevention of domestic violence and associate professor at the University of Calgary Catherine Lana welcome to the show Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having us. It is great to uh, to uh, be able to have this conversation with you, although I-, I wish we weren't having it, and I think I start every conversation about domestic violence the same way. This is a conversation that we've been having for a very, very long time. Uh, Lana, I want to get into some of the work that you're doing and uh, your messaging in that, in that speech tomorrow. Catherine, I want to start with you, though, because it's been an interesting time for you. You became CEO of of the YWCA of Edmonton. Your first day on the job was literally the day that everything got shut down. How did that result in the Y pivoting to make sure that those who needed your services were still able to get them?
1: Well, thanks again for having us on today, Jalen. This is just such an important topic that the entire community we, we need help with. So, you know, when the lockdown happened, uh, we knew just instinctively that, you you know, with people being in their homes, added stresses in homes, that we were really concerned that women and girls would be put at, you know, sometimes in further risk. So how did we serve? You know, we had to pivot a lot of our services and programs online to telephone. We have a counseling services in nine. 99% of our counseling services are heavily subsidized or free and a lot of our um, clients are, are, are women and, and children that have uh, faced family violence. So getting those services um, online and by telephone was critical and was done within weeks. We also moved all of our services for um, our youth programs online so again we had that connection we were staying close to folks and we were checking in on them so it has been an incredible year our staff has moved quickly they have adapted and um, we've made sure that we have stayed connected with these folks as possible
0: Yeah, Catherine, um, and and that's um, you know that's a that's a huge challenge. All things considered, I'm I'm curious to know those numbers from the police that I mentioned as I was introducing you are is that reflective in what you're seeing at the Y?
1: You know, we're definitely and we're always in contact with not only the police but our municipal, our provincial, and our federal partners about what they're seeing and what they're also seeing, and so those are the reported numbers and I I think we have to be really clear about that those are the people that have called police and we're very concerned that the unreported cases you know what's happening to those folks and so we really want to get the message out that if you need help you ask for help it will come Um, we're worried that many people might be just suffering in silence right now And, and we as a community need to be aware of that fact and and beyond that you know as we're talking to our partners we're still getting the data in and and, you know, we're hearing anecdotally that the severity of the cases are really concerning police and, and others. You know, we're hearing a lot more strangulations, choking, things that are really concerning to police.
0: I mean, when you start using the the reality of it, when you start using the language that, um, that describes in part um, what is happening, it is... Um, uh, yeah, well Catherine, it, it just it's it, it brings tears to my eyes and, and it kicks it's a it's a it's a punch in the gut for me to be honest with you because I, I, I still can't wrap my head around around my head around this. Lana, this is this is your work, this is the, the job that you do and you every day are are looking for solutions and different ways to for everyday Albertans to maybe help out. There's so much I want to get in with you. Lana, at the start of the pandemic, when we when we got into this, how concerned were you um, that this was going to be very bad for, for, for folks who, who couldn't escape um, domestic violence?
2: yeah thank you for the question and you know with confinement and stay-at-home orders you know we're seeing an increase in healthy unhealthy coping mechanisms an increased stress you mentioned at the beginning of your program loss of job and financial strain and really an overall lack of access to formal support because many things were shutting down or not available so deeply deeply concerned um because most uh, obviously victims are home with their perpetrators and that includes not only women but their children and so deeply concerned and we were trying to figure out quickly how could our sector the human service sector pivot to better respond and support and while that's really important and hearing Catherine and the why and many organizations that have been able to go to virtual interventions and more supports um, we were trying to figure out how can we engage people on the ground family members neighbors uh, co-workers to be checking in and and supporting and reaching out to those that they know are at risk
0: well, and, and this is such a, a huge part of it, but let's be real, Anna. I think um, you know, for the the years that I've been involved with, you know, events and and helping to raise money for different organizations that that help women and children fleeing domestic violence, we we talk about you know what to watch for, what to look for, to to, to the ways to step in. But I think there are a lot of people out there, and I was I would say maybe a majority of people who don't know what to look for who don't know how to do it and are really worried about um, sticking their nose in, in in a place where they think it doesn't belong uh, so mm-hmm. what do you so what do you tell them
2: well I think there's two things one you're absolutely right a lot of people have a lot of fear and safety issues we're often worried about getting hurt we're worried about losing those relationships and that we feel that we have well, that we lack skills to intervene, and what I'm talking about tomorrow is really what we call the three R's: the ability to recognize abuse, respond appropriately, and refer to community resources. And we do think it is a skill, and anyone can build those skills. So we can learn to respond to a disclosure. So we can listen respectfully and compassionately. We can come from it from a non-judgmental place. You know, we can watch our verbal and our tone and how we approach people, and so that we're not patronizing and we're not shaming people. And so we can be more mindful of what we're saying and, and needing to have empathy, not pity, and not shame women, right? And so finally, we need to believe. We need to be able to believe women, uh, tell her the abuse is wrong and that it's not her fault. And then we need to be able to understand what resources are in our community. And I do think it's an Albertan duty to understand what is available that we can connect our friends and family to or our neighbours when they do need help.
0: So, Lana, give, give my listening audience right now, those folks who have tuned in right now, give them some advice. What do they need to be looking for? What would be some of the ABCs? You talk about the three R's, I guess. Let's do it that way. What do they
2: need to watch for? How can they help if need be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the three R's if, any, if your listeners can really remember Three R's Recognize, respond and refer So recognizing there's multiple ways Of understanding domestic violence right? There's physical types But there's also many other forms And sometimes we can't see it So there's uh-huh. sexual, emotional and verbal Sometimes there's psychological, financial and social And so really trying to understand And listen to what our friends And family members are explaining to us To be able to recognize what they're feeling so being being able to listen respectfully and compassionately and be able to ask the questions and if we do feel someone is at risk it means responding in a loving and responsive way and not shaming them Um, and often because our response really matters for victims if we respond in negative ways that can spiral people if we respond in positive ways that can actually put people on the path to recovery
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so e- some important points uh, right there, and um, I, I'm hoping that some people are taking notes. I've been taking notes as you've been writing, as as we've been talking about this. The fact is, though, I mean, you know, Atlanta and, and Catherine... Um, we've been having these conversations and they are complex conversations, right? There are so many Mm -hmm. layers to this. Your work, you talk about, you know, wanting to to, to stop and put put an end to uh, to, to domestic violence and I'm not sure, and I hate to say it, I'm not sure that that can be done. And how optimistic are you? And, And maybe I shouldn't say that, Lana, but sometimes
1: it's just so disheartening hmm well and and I'll, I'll i'll step in for a second and, and pass over to lana but i'm listening to lana makes me really hopeful because the work she's doing groundbreaking research mm-hmm. in alberta right now and and you know this is what this is one of the reasons i've been brought to the why i really care about gender equity and we'll never truly have it if we do not as a community come together and really find out ways in our own communities on how to end g- end gender-based violence so mm-hmm. i I feel very hopeful, I feel very optimistic because I think this COVID, the pandemic has shone a really bright light on these big challenges okay. facing our community and I, it's pulling the right people together, it's giving folks information, it's empowering people and with people like Lana and and the YWCA and so many others in our community stepping up, I, I'm very hopeful. Lana, your great, work, yeah. Sorry,
2: go ahead. hmm I was just going to say, and I'm hopeful too, um, you know, research shows that violence in humans is not inherent. And so that means it's created and influenced by external factors, and therefore it can be prevented, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to understand, and I think Catherine's point about understanding root causes like historical and structural injustices, gender inequality poverty colonial violence inadequate housing substandard education lack of opportunity shame and isolation all of these things drive violence and we have an opportunity here in alberta to change those structural injustices and with programs like and agencies like the y who are trying to support women's empowerment in multiple ways you would start to see choices and actions change
0: Catherine, Lana, what more help needs to be
1: uh, provided? What more needs to be done? Catherine, let's start with you. Well, a big part at the why that we, you know, really care about is prevention. And so, you know, our, even our youth programming where we teach girls how to build healthy relationships. Yeah. Um, those are just, that matters that we're, that we're, that are, we're raising all of our children um, to, to, to understand how to be in healthy relationships. That's just a big start. And I really care, the prevention side matters. And so, again. Again, a huge focus of our organization, but also just with, we're, we are still in the middle of a crisis. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. So really being able to clearly communicate to our community about the services that you have, that you are not alone, that we believe you, that you will be helped um, is, is critical right now. And again, you know, the short term and long term, there's so much to do and we're ready to help. Lana, you talk about in
0: some of your work and I was was reading about it, uh, the shift, the project to end domestic violence and and I'm seeing more and more men and young men take a stand and saying that they will add their voice, that they will stand up and they will call other men, uh, other other people out when they see something wrong. How important is that in, in, in this move to end violence?
2: It's so important, and I've been researching and testing and working with men for the last decade to try to advance allyship with men, for men stepping into their power for good, to advance equity and equality and inclusion. Um, and I think uh, it's a critical, men must be part of the solution. It's critical. And so we need more men stepping up uh, and being good bystanders and upstanders we need fathers to role model and mentor. We need more mentors for young men and young, and young kids. Uh, we need to build the capacity of healthy relationships with adolescents. And we need gender and wage parity. We need all of these things to advance equity and to support ending violence.
0: Catherine, before I let you
2: uh,
0: go, tell me a little bit more about the Rose Campaign tomorrow and if people can still be a part of this.
1: They can, and if people would like to get tickets, they're available till 6 p.m. tonight on our website, ywcaofedmonton.org, and if they can't make it to our event tomorrow morning from 7.45 to 8.45, they can always go on on to our website to donate um, and stay in touch with the organization, and you know, at tomorrow's event, it's another thing that we do is we stop and remember the 14 women who were killed 31 years ago at a cold polytechnique in montreal that day rocked our country and you know 31 years later um (laughs) we still have so much work to do but like i said i'm very hopeful that a lot of things important things are happening in our community and so tomorrow i really am excited to get folks into our event to learn more to learn more from Lana and to also just hear about how they can support the work that we're doing in our community
0: absolutely and it's a virtual event so everyone needs to remember that and uh, Lana I look forward to hearing you speak tomorrow morning Lana Catherine great to talk with you again thanks for joining me this afternoon and thank you both so much for the incredibly important and vital work that uh, that you're doing on this front Thanks so much, Jaylen. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Catherine O'Neill, the CEO of the YWCA of Edmonton, and Lana Wells from the University of Calgary You can read more about her work if you look up uh, the Brenda Stratford Chair in the Prevention of Domestic Violence. Some really, really fascinating work being done right here in our province.